Super Beast podcast with Berg and Blake. Berg, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, man. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Yeah, enjoying a nice sunny Sunday here in Sheffield today. Are you having a good weekend? Well, it's been good. Yeah, got pretty buffeted yesterday by the wind. It's pretty sunny and it's stopped being windy now. What about you? Yeah, good times. Yeah, I was in uh, B&Q earlier. That was exciting. It's quite uh, interesting seeing how different people kind of deal with the whole social distancing thing. And, you know, some people are really good at it and won't just will freeze on the spot won't they like uh, frightened animals uh, if you walk anywhere near them and other people just still barge past you quite enjoying watching people's reactions to it all yeah i've been cues being turned into um you're not allowed in you've got to order a click and collect do that sort of stuff it's been turning into screw freaks basically <laughs> all right cool well t- tell us uh, what have you been up to uh of the last uh, four weeks or whatever it is since we last spoke it's been a little bit kind of monotonous i guess but it's been good at the same time like doing stuff in the garden being constantly entertained by my cats doing weird stuff but i've got next week off because it's half term so i feel pretty good about that have you got some uh, plans anything that you're going to do to make most of it i really wanted wanted to get my novel sorted but i need need someone to proofread those chapters that haven't and kind of uh, wait for that before i can do the the full job um yeah other than that nothing too exciting just trying to keep the the routine by ordering nice things online i figured if i would have watched a band i ordered some merch and things from them so that's like punk and riot girl stuff books zines coming through the post um going to online open mics doing pictures of people playing going on walks and going bargain shopping i've got this amazing propagator set for a fiber from home bargain it's excellent oh yeah um, don't even really need it but yeah it's great and one of my other ones is a bit knackered and uh, what else? Oh yeah, making homebrew. I've, I've got a really nice new beer ready that um, was made and <laughs> the entire time of being in lockdown I started making it at the start and now I'm drinking it. So the wow. red Irish coconut molasses uh, ale. Uh, have you named it? Have you given it a name? Yeah, yeah. With all those adjectives, that, that was its name. Oh, right. <laughs> well, it's good. It's catchy. I like it. Yeah, clearly. Like, how about you? What have you been doing? Like you, i uh, got a propagator. Um, and planted some chili seeds um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, in fact, two weeks ago today. Um, and so, yeah, it's quite interesting. I haven't like planted any seeds since I was a kid. Um, and so the, there's a kind of like weird childlike wonder at watching uh, a seed, you know, like grow its little root down and then kind of push a little plant up through the soil. It's, uh, I don't know, yeah, it's sort of quite magical really when you when you're not when you, you haven't done it for a long time nice yeah so, i popped into the office a couple of weeks ago um but we've got like uh, this oculus rift vr headset um so i picked that up while i was there and brought it home because i've never really had a go on it before it was when the weather went a bit kind of shit uh, and so i sort of immersed myself in a vr world and for the first time i kind of saw what the fuss was about and uh, it's actually genuinely uh, really interesting and, re- and really good fun and so yeah i spent quite a bit of time on that on google earth as well kind of s- sort of even even while i'm working taking a meeting but with the vr headset on and just sort of sitting on top of christ the redeemer statue and uh, 
admiring the view uh it's yeah it's genuinely uh i've been impressed by it so beyond that riding my bike listening to my records and, and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean like what you were saying with the sort of uh the monotony of it all i started to feel like quite zoomed out i think you would call it hmm. uh, just sort of quite fatigued by having to like conduct all of your uh conversations and like interactions online like whether it's typing or online video calls and things i think it's starting like normally if i get an email or a text message through from one of my friends i feel quite you know I'm like oh great you know we'll construct a nice reply to them but i think because that's the only way i've got to interact with people at the moment it's starting everything's starting to feel like a bit like a chore and a bit like work and there's no kind of division between the two things and also my sort of main sense of humor is kind of sarcastic flippant interruptions into what people are saying and uh, little observations and things it's just impossible to do that uh, on a video call because you always get interrupted or something cuts out or it just doesn't work it's starting to feel a bit exhausted by it all really and uh, it's a first world problem i suppose and i've got lots that uh not to complain about but yeah it's start, starting to get piss me off a little bit i think hmm. yeah i guess like a lot of things that we take for granted weren't able to happen and, and so it's a case of oh yeah it should be that everyone wants to use public transport but now you're not allowed to use public transport or it's it was nice working from home it is nice working from home not commuting but then again it's just tedious you like you gain time and, and it's easier but then again you kind of like oh yeah it's work it's home and it gets a bit blurred so i think everyone's feeling a little bit like that and bound to be um have you got a jingle for us this week yeah i made a made a jingle yeah my, my wife um charlotte she got involved she said she's gonna sing and, and do the lyrics so kind of uh, did that yeah. so let's uh, let's stick it on and have a listen here it comes it's a super beast the super beast the super beast here it comes it's a super beast anytime you want it She did it a bit different to uh, in rehearsal. She, I'm sure she was saying and, and string jokes that are a big hit. But then when she can't record it, she she did it differently. But then she insisted that, that stays in. So that's because I've been hearing the uh, the the bloody um, ice cream vans playing that tune all the time. And because I like Bad Religion and they do this this Christmas song of it where it's green sleeve but with Christmas music about Virgin Mary and stuff. So I need to get the fucking Virgin Mary out of my head and, and get some Super Beast into my head. That's well damn right. It reminded me a bit of um, the tale of Brave Sir Robin from uh, <laughs> Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He had some great songs. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's play a song, shall we? Did you want to uh, did you want to pick one first of all? I've been saying for ages, like um, in zines and in writing, I, I really like women writers um, I like women bands. I really, really dig them because there's none of this macho politics and posturing involved. So I've been ordering a, a, as much music as I can with like uh, written by women, basically, because I, I feel like my, my collection's massively swamped with male things. So um, this first one's by a band that I was going to watch in November, then they cancelled because of illness, and I was going to watch in April, and then cancelled because of Corona. Um, so it's the menstrual cramps from their fantastic, fantastic album Free Bleeding, which is full of, of classic hits. And uh, this is a kind of a bit of a punk uh, oi kind of tune. I thought it's kind of appropriate. Um, it, it's a tune called Neo Nazi. I thought it was really appropriate because we've got these really stupid fucking protests at the minute with all these like people with swastikas saying like, yeah, all this is rubbish and yeah, we need to go out and like do a thing. And it's kind of like, fucking hell, you're so embarrassing. It's just a great tune, so let's roll it, I guess. 
think of that then? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, there was a mix of accents going on there. Yeah, that that was great. Anyway, yeah, I re- really enjoyed that. Yeah, I do love love the amount of like different types of voices and and things that's going on there. I think thing is absolutely excellent. Like. Oink oink. Super beast. All right. Yeah. Well, it's all been a bit monotonous this month, but there's yeah. been a few things that stuck out. Like like I said, there's those right wing lockdown protests. Like just ridiculous like it was, it was happening in America now it's happening here and you've got your it's a weird I find it just a weird disparity with like the right was quite close together with the, the posh elitists and the kind of racists together and now they're sort of like the, the the ones at the bottom don't like doing what the ones at the top tell them and, and now they're kind of getting into the conspiracy stuff and it's like oh I'm not going to follow what you say and yeah it's been a been a little bit weird with, with that kind of stuff yeah. Um, path of least resistance type of things. Uh, yeah, people just it's like you might as well wave a banner saying, "Oh, well, let's it, let's make it normal again. Let's pretend it's normal." Like I don't think it works like that. No, no. I mean, obviously, Trump's a bit of a cheerleader for that kind of attitude as well, isn't he? But uh, yeah, it's hard to have sympathy uh, for them if they find themselves uh, coming unstuck with illness or whatever. Anyway, yeah, HS two um, being given massive green light. Like a bit confused by that really because. I would have thought that there's a massive like look at the transportation system and you know the need to it 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 always seemed okay so far to pack people together on public transport but now it's like it's really dangerous so rather than like looking at a general overhaul at like all these crowded lines and maybe putting extra carriages and sorting out that way it's just like no what what did the funders do to get us into office and like yeah HS two big green light so it's pretty much like hold the line and do what your party funders asked and pretend it feels good yeah definitely and you know will we have that kind of money spare when all is said and done with the furlough schemes and the you know small business loans and all that kind of stuff uh, have we really got money to throw at this thing to like shave 20 minutes off uh, a long train journey i don't know it just yeah but I, I never really but as we've said before we don't really know who's pushing for this uh, and why it continues to get traction uh, especially now when uh, the chancellor should be like really looking at uh, where where this money that they're giving out is going to come from in the long term? Um, yeah, it's it seems like an odd odd choice to or an odd thing to continue with. Yeah, so yeah, most of this is quite UK centric news. I mean, I should just just give a worldwide angle to like the amount of countries that have made sort of improvements to their infrastructure and rely on tourism, and now you're going to get this massive impact on the world of tourism. And uh, yeah, it could be setting back a load of economies like massively, like when people get this kind of closeted mentality. I don't know how it's going to pan out economically and over the globe, like with the tourism industry, it's it's the biggest blow to it, you know, bigger than like some of the terrorist stuff that's happening. I don't know how you feel about tourism and world and how that's going to reopen. Yeah, I mean, t- tourism's always been a double-edged sword, hasn't it, for the communities that, you know, where, where pe- the destinations that people are going to. Um, I think beginning of this week or end of the week before, uh, TUI, the sort of biggest uh, travel operator in Europe, uh, was was having to, to lay off a huge chunk of its uh, workforce as well. Um, and we've, we've travelled with them quite a few times um, and you know you sort of the the, the businesses at the far end the the sort of family run hotels and things all around europe that that to put guests into um you know the without without that uh, airline without that tour operator sending people there they're not going to last uh, they're not going to survive at all so it doesn't the future is pretty bleak for them i've got to say oh not very positive at the minute like yeah you've got the social care thing like uh, you know the government didn't have enough testing early they're sending people out of hospital into like social like care wards and then they were getting like massively overwhelmed with the uh, covid and 
lots of deaths there, a bit of a, a scandal as far as I'm concerned, but I'm sure um, one will ride out, like, but yeah, really serious, like, lack of testing and um, kind of, I don't know, it's, it's just negligent, to, it's like throwing someone back into the shark-infested waters once you've kind of got them out a bit. Yeah, definitely. I, I think care homes are just, uh, they were just an afterthought, weren't they? I mean, if they were even thought about at all in, in the first place, um, it was all about protecting the NHS, which, uh, you know, you know, rightly so, that, that should be probably uh, obviously one of your two main priorities, but care homes just, uh, yeah, they, they didn't get anything or any kind of attention early on. Um, and, it, you know, normally, if, if it was any other time uh, in the world, we could take some comfort in how uh, utterly inept the Tory government are. You know, if, if, all they, if there was no virus to deal with and all they had to do was uh, advance their own selfish policies and agendas uh, and they could have been this inept at it, we, we could have been sort of sitting back and laughing. But unfortunately, there was stuff that needed to be done and they've been absolutely useless. The Financial Times says it's likely you could like double the death toll of, of what's happening from the ones in care homes and the ones outside. I think it's chaos saying it's 25% more than the NHS toll, so pretty bad. Yeah. All right, well, let's do some positive news. Talking to Jonathan last night, um, he was the best man at my wedding, and he told me a few things that, that he said the positive things to look at. So he said, like, Google flamingos and Mumbai, because these flamingos have been flocking back to the rivers, and there's these beautiful pictures of just, like, wildlife returning. So uh, if, you, if you're a fan of flamingos, um, then you should check that out. Okay. He was also talking about, like, contracts that the, the geoth firms that he sort of, um, like, has dealings with, that loads of contracts out for to clean the rivers in India. And because uh, the rivers have cleaned themselves pretty much because the, the pollution levels have gone down, there's all these contracts have, have gone basically, like uh, nature's done its work. So some positive stuff for, for India. Wow, that, that's incredible. That's brilliant. Um, just to highlight as well, really, like the day-to-day -day heroism of people like volunteers, of, of like the, the care staff, of the nursing staff, all the frontline workers, anyone that's dealing with money and dealing with customers and people yeah. that don't know how to, don't social distance um yeah just a massive shout out really it seems like a lot of people have been putting themselves more in the firing line um even like the orderlies in the hospitals they're having to clean up and stuff like that like you know these are low skilled workers that this bill's just come out actually that they were going to like charge a lot of extra money for the nhs and this points-based system thing but like a lot of um a lot of real heroism going on i think like unsung heroism so like uh, big up to anyone that's been doing that yeah i would i would agree with that definitely uh, i mean just the the people that i come in contact with each day uh you know just people people working in supermarkets and um you know your delivery drivers or anyone that's like going door to door and doing this stuff i mean potentially taking their lives in their hands really and uh, it is uh, i'm not sure well i, I wouldn't want to do it so uh, hmm. yeah incredible yeah i just found one really really stupid story as well this is this is from march 2017 but there's this bolivian dog um who was kind of adopted by a monastery and uh, they've made him into like an honorary sort of friar, so he's dressed up as a monk, and uh, they call him Father Mustache because he's got like a, he's a big schnauzer with a big uh, like um, mustache, and like he, he hangs around with the monks. And uh, I'll post a link to that one actually because it's a it's a good dog story. Have you got any news items that you thought were worth discussing? Not hugely, not hugely. Um, they're in uh, Singapore. Uh, last week um uh, a man was um 
handed the death sentence uh, via a Zoom call, uh, which I thought was a, a horribly bleak sign of the times. One of my friends uh, had sent me a link to um, a, a special T-shirt that you can wear um, that contains a, a sort of series of patterns and things on the front that's uh, supposedly able to um, uh, confuse facial recognition software on CCTV cameras. I'm not quite sure how it works exactly, but uh, I like the sound of that. And something that I'd made a note about but I'd forgotten to follow up on was that there was supposed to be a cyclone uh, hitting India, I think, on Friday. Um, so while they're all busy trying to uh, social distance and all that kind of stuff, they're also having to evacuate millions of people uh, to avoid the path of the cyclone. So, um, yeah, I'll have to follow up on that and see what happened there. But, uh, yeah, it, it didn't sound very good. Someone had tweeted about the, um, the sort of inner workings of streaming platforms like um, Amazon Music and Spotify and Apple Music and all those kinds of different things. Uh, and there was something a bit like a kind of summarized it as being a bit like a kind of a tour around an abattoir seeing how little the uh, streaming services pay the artists or even you know pay the record labels who will then presumably give their a cut to the artist uh, and it was horrifyingly small amounts uh, and the more people listen um, the lower the percentage that goes to the uh, to the label um, Spotify was actually one of the lower ones as well. Amazon, I think, uh, was one of the highest. Um, I think there might be some of the uh, sort of more ethical streaming services that you could look into. But uh, yeah, it was eye-opening in a, in a horrible way, really. Yeah. yeah, some of my musician friends were posting some things about that, and they, they were, it was pittance. Like, sorry, I thought you, at the start of the story, you said the string services. <laughs> I was like, someone making a lot of money in string. Yeah, I know um, Bandcamp, uh, had a, a day, didn't they? It was a Friday earlier in May when 100% of, of the proceeds went straight to the artist. Um, so that was that was the day to get all of your, your purchases in. Hopefully they'll do that again this month. Yeah, they, they do that semi-frequently and kind of like it, but then again, like Bandcamp are consolidating their position as, as kind of like the, the normal uh, place to sort of move music and get digital music uh, from a lot of the artists themselves. So um, yeah, they, they have kind of seeming like they've monopolized um, the game a little bit so there's with all the big companies there's always a bit of a kind of downside yeah yeah from what i understand from from when when you interact with artists on social media and stuff they do kind of recommend that that's the place to go so that they mm. you know if you want to if you you know if they want to see the most of the royalties that you give them but from your position on the inside is it not quite as simple as that I don't know. I haven't looked at the spreadsheet too much and seen what, what earnings from digital downloads are. Um, but there's, there's a percentage that goes, uh, maybe it's a more generous percentage than other ones, but um, it, I think that's a better one for buying actual physical music. I, I buy a lot of like, a lot of stuff I've ordered the last month or so has gone through Bandcamp and um, yeah, so you get both the digital download, so that goes on your MP3 player or whatever. And then you get your physical thing and that goes in your CD player or your record player or whatever. Um, anyway, that leads quite nicely, I think, onto some music news if we're done with the news. Music news! Yeah, you got any music news, Blake? Uh, no, no music news. Nothing has been happening in my No, there's been very little. Um, I'll mention a couple of things. Um, so, yeah, basically, fuck all music news. Like, uh, it's put a lot of people in a quandary who've got, like, an album release. Um, like, whether to do it as... As planned or not, like, I think one of the guys that played our wedding, Den Miller, he was planning to release his album, uh, I think in July, 
but he's put it back by a whole year, like mm. uh, to, to wow. next July, which is I mean that's a big delay. There's yeah. another band I won't mention the name, but like they finished recording their album in October, but they were getting ready to release it when they're on the festival circuit over the summer, mm. and obviously they can't do that, so they're they're like waiting a year as well for next year. So like they've been they're going to be sat on this album for like two and a half years before they release it. But other other people just go bang out digital whatever. Like some people can't get it pressed, some people are waiting. But just interesting to see how people deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not a fan. I don't actually know any of the music. But uh, I saw earlier this week that Charlie XCX had written uh, and released an album entirely from lockdown. Um, yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. All the songs were were written during this period and with lyrics and titles and stuff crowdsourced from the fans. And it's yeah, interesting way of doing things. There's a lot of that going on. A lot of people recording covers. A lot of people recording some original music and covers. Like, yeah. I have to be honest, we, like Speed Dinosaurs, we're doing a cover, but we we got asked to do like this online thing for Dementia uh, UK, where they're doing like a Bob Marley compilation. So we've been we've been getting our Bob Marley groove on in our home recording setups. It's nice to be involved in something like that as well, because the the Bob Dylan compilations that the One Step Outside records are doing it put out were excellent. So we're really flattered to be asked. Are you caught many live streams this month? Uh, um, so you checking out the Freddie Fudpucker and Billy Lyre and Tim Loud thing? Yeah, I watched probably watched about half an hour of that on Thursday. Was it? Yeah, that was that was really good fun. That was uh, no, that was my the first one that I've watched. Um, I've w- watched a couple of little things on uh, on Instagram live, uh, but but nothing much. No, but yeah, that that was good. That was uh, funny watching them cover each other's songs. Uh, yeah, so. some quite desolate songs though. It's like. Uh, yeah. but, <laughs> I, I wondered how it was for the uninitiated like uh, all those guys write quite depressing music at times but very uplifting music at times they're all covered the bloody depressing ones like, yeah I, I know. I'm all about the depressing music so uh, I was in my element yeah I, yeah I did enjoy it and just one other thing I mentioned it's not actually music news but Adam Byfield who I've been reading his, his books yeah. uh, he's got a new one out um, Why We Blame the Shadows it's about stalking and um like uh, demons and stuff so like yeah check out adambyfield.com if you want to pick up any of his work um and I'm, I'm loving his short story compilation at the minute it's, it's absolutely dynamite yeah i'll get my hands on that after uh, your uh, excellent interview with him on the last episode yeah that was really good um when i was putting the last episode together as well i ended up buying the uh, dog hand string band album that had just come out um so i've been enjoying that quite a lot over the last few weeks as well actually uh I do have a bit of music news that I'd forgotten about. Um, do you want me to uh, jump to uh, run through it for you? Yeah, go on. Okay, here we go. Um, so this is uh, I've spoken to Gallup, uh, who compile the the, the charts, uh, and they've given me uh, this month's top ten songs about string. Oh, excellent! Yeah. Um, so uh, I won't I won't hang about. I'll just I'll just smash straight into it. Uh, at number ten this month we've got the Beatles with "I Want to Hold Your Strand." <laughs> uh, number nine is Thready Grant with "Give Me Rope, Joanna." Uh, at number eight we've got Pulp with "This Is Hardcore." <laughs> uh, number seven is Ten CC with "I'm Not in Love." Number six is Dr Dre with "Stitches Ain't Shit." No. Uh, number five is U2 with "Even Better Than the Real String." <laughs> Uh, at number four, it's Britney Spears with Woolenizer. Uh, number three is Kylie with Can't Get You Out of My Thread. Nice one. Mm. Uh, number two, uh, new entry, Strings of Leon with Sex on Fiber. <laughs> uh, and at number one, uh, for the second month running, it's uh, Louis Armstrong 
with we have all the twine in the world. Ah, oh, that's lovely. There you go. Yeah, that went really well. The, the silent K, not jokes. Uh, you can't always signpost a silent K. No, it's difficult. Yeah, a short pause is the is the only solution I've got. We got a string joke from someone else. Oh, okay. That's all right. So, um, so Rob uh, got in touch uh, from Australia. Actually, okay. he said, "Long time listener, first time caller." Loving the podcast is a bit like sitting next to you both in the pub listening to your conversation. The only string joke I can think of is a bit shit, but here it goes. I'll do it in an Aussie, Aussie voice. Okay. <clears throat> what is the most dangerous animal in Australia Zoo? Don't know. A stingray. Brilliant. Just ask Steve Irwin. Steve Erstring, <laughs> who's not afraid of anything. That's fantastic. Thanks, Rob, for, for sending that in. Have you got any other so, string jokes or any other jokes? Hey, I've got some string jokes, yeah. Oh. Do you want to hear them? Yes, I do. Okay. Are you sit string comfortably? Yes. Then I'll be string. So what's what's the piece of Thread's favourite veterinary TV series? I don't know. All strings, bright and beautiful, all creatures strung in a big ball. Uh, but second to that uh, was animal floss, then roll it back in a ball. Animal floss, then roll. Oh, right, okay. You know, there were, there were plans to bring back Animal Floss, then roll back onto the TV, but, you know, Rolf Harris isn't very popular with Thready-based TV uh, viewers. Do you know why? Well, I, um, I can have a guess, but uh, you tell me. Because <laughs> <laughs> his wobble board always needles them, and because he's a massive pedo. Well, yeah. um, okay, topical one now. Um, right, how, how many more strings do we need to get COVID-19 for us to develop herd issunity? Insunity, sorry. What? What's insunity? In, well, herd immunity, insunity, because they are all strung in the same shoe. Oh, I see. Right, yes. Uh, you tell me. Go on. Uh, well, well, through testing and track string, uh, those have all been a bit lack, lack string, so we don't really know, but we're all bound to get get it thread eventually. Dominic Cumstrings has been in the news as well. You know, you got into trouble with the press this week. Do you know why? Remind me. Because uh, he's a prick. Uh, so he's a prick and he hasn't been social distance string. Yeah, he clearly thinks he's above everyone else, like some sort of um, string delia above our hanging from our heads from the elitist seal string. Um, but above all, he thinks he's better than everyone else uh, and he's bathing in the light of his hypocritical imagination. Imagination string, sorry. Do you know what the government's punishment uh, is going to be for, for cum strings? Sorry, he sounds a bit like a teenage boy, cum strings. Does sound revolting? Uh, no. <laughs> So you know what punishment he's going to get? No, no idea. He'll be ignoring the, the government's own advice. Got you tell us. Nothing string. Absolutely nothing string. Right. Well, on that note, uh, I think we'll we'll play another song then, shall we? String is a song, Blake. We're going to play a song by uh, Shilpa Ray. Um, she is a singer from New York. Let's say why not? Uh, she's got a new new song out. Uh, just came out two days ago called Manic Pixie Dream Cunt. Um, but we're not going to play that one because uh, I, I wanted to play something slightly uh, more fun. But I think people will like that and they should check that song out. Uh, but instead, we're going to play a song called Morning Terrors and Nights of Dread. I 
Sounded good from what I could hear. Nice bits of emotion, like nice dancey beat. I enjoyed that. Yeah, so it starts off starts off quite slow, but I like how screamy it gets to the end towards yeah. the end. Good one to listen to on the uh, on the drive to work. That was Shilpa Ray. Super B. Super B. Super B. Super B. question for you. Go then. Do you think that Queen Elizabeth II is a shape-shifting lizard creature, um, as David Icke would have us believe? No. Okay, well that's interesting and I thought maybe we could take a look at why he thinks that and why you don't think that. Well there could be something genetic from where they come from, you know, like, but I don't, I don't think necessarily a shape-shifting lizard, but you know, they are coming from a certain bloodline that's been maintained, I'd agree with that much. Well yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that we will come back to that question eventually. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk a bit about conspiracy theories and kind of get your take on it uh, and just kind of see see what's going on with it all. Um, I actually planned to do this on the last episode, um, but we but we ran out of time really. Um, and since then, uh, the Guardian uh, have kind of beaten us to it, and they did a psychology of conspiracy theories podcast, a little twelve minute sec- segment uh, in the last few weeks, um, but. Uh, but we'll do it anyway because it's because it's kind of interesting. Um, we, so we talked last time a little bit about how people. Um, I think this particular time was in Birmingham, but it's been happening more kind of nationwide since then. Was setting fire uh, to the five G aerials and blaming five G for uh, causing COVID nineteen, um, which is uh, an interesting uh, leap to make, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for, for, because of respiratory um, disease. Mm. What are they saying that it dampens people's immune system or, you know, fucks it up somehow or something like that? It seems like there's no one uh, exact explanation for it. It's just mm. that the theory is that there is a link between the ra- the radio masts and 5G, which uh, other people, have you believe, is going to be used to control us somehow with uh, causing all of these health issues um, and causing the virus. Um, this sort of what do you think? is it population density by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, there's a bit of a perfect storm of conspiracy theories going around at the moment. Anyway, um, I, I think we should probably start off by saying that obviously this podcast is kind of supposed like the whole idea behind it was for people with kind of inquiring minds to to question what's going on in the world and and uh, try and read into the news a little bit and and sort of see what's happening and make some make some connections between uh, the things that people read and why they might be happening. So uh, this isn't like poking poking a hole in, in people's, in the idea that people should question the news or have a healthy kind of scepticism of, of what they're told by the, the news media and by the government, um, but more kind of looking at the, the more dangerous and pernicious conspiracy theories that are, that are going around in the world. I guess probably like me, you you've probably been uh, interested in conspiracy theories, like um, I films like Loose Change, that you know the documentary that came out after nine eleven, kind of claiming that it was an inside job and controlled explosions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I remember finding that quite fascinating as a, a younger person. Uh, there's a really good documentary called Room Two Three Two, which is uh, normally about conspiracy theories related to The Shining. Uh, and to and how many different theories, but one of them being that uh, that there's there's references in The Shining that where uh, Stanley Kubrick is is kind of owning up to the fact that he faked the moon landings uh, through that horror film. Um, 
So all, all of these kind of things are really interesting, really interesting ideas. And uh, obviously all manner of kind of sci-fi TV and films like The X-Files and Capricorn One and things like that. There's, there's loads of great stuff there that uh, you can kind of sink your imagination into. Just looking at um, conspiracy theories, like the dictionary definition of them is uh, the idea that a covert but influential organisation is responsible for an unexplained event. Um, and it's no like it's not a big secret, is it, that big businesses lobby the governments to legislate in, in their interest um, and that industry and governments are known to suppress truths and facts um, so that as not to cause panic in the public or to admit liability for, for problems or loss of life or that kind of stuff that they cause. You say that's fair? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's all right to, to, to have a, a critical mind um, mm. and it's fine to look at things and to think sceptically about things. But it, it's when everything is cut and paste and, and it's preformed and it just fits in. Um, it, to me, it's like every human being has, has a, there's something that doesn't make sense in life. There's something, and the more over-organised it gets, there's always some part of us that doesn't quite get everything and, and thinks that there might be something, you know, to fill that, that gap. We're, we're like, you know, with some people that might be like religion or exercise or, you know, like spirituality or whatever you've got, something to help you make sense of the world and to see it a little bit more than the surface details. But when people get hold of what is just a chunk of like Duplo and try to push it into a complicated hole, I, I just don't think it, it works. And, and some of these conspiracies are so outlandish and like they, they the little wormholes into like mental health rifts and stuff like this. It's like, you know, that you could start off saying, yes, there are some problems with the system, and you, of course, and yes, there are, like, people behind the scenes, like, we, we know, for instance, we're joking about the bloody spin doctor that's, that's kind of putting a lot of the political spin on the narrative, and we know that this happens, but when you make gigantic leaps, like, you know, President Trump's going to save the day because he's in with the Zionist, or, like, it's, it, there's just something inherently missing in mass culture that that seems to invite like this stupid shaped brick to try and fit this quite complicated hole i think people need to be skeptical but also people need to like realize that um it, there's a functional aspect to the, it's the world that's basically things interacting with other things and mistakes happening and and these things happening it's not part of some gigantic overarching narrative to like destroy order or to make people into like willful slaves but then again even hear myself say that I know that the drift towards things is to mean to isolate and to make people feel separate so they can be more picked apart but I think the danger comes when people start to believe that sort of stuff over the, the evidence of their senses and what's happening around them and then that's when a conspiracy theory becomes pretty much like a mental health issue or a shared mental health issue or a societal mental health issue yeah absolutely I, uh, there have been some, some studies uh, that have shown that that kind of uh, believing deeply in conspiracy theories uh, you know is actually psychologically dangerous to yourself that you, you know you can it can actually damage the way that you uh, perceive the world and and kind of uh, set, set you on a, a strange path um, uh, I think conspiracy theories tend to, to crop up and flourish uh, at times of crisis, so I mentioned like 9-11 before, uh, there was the Zika virus a few years ago and obviously COVID now. Um, and yeah, like you say, it's, it's people um, trying to explain something 
uh, in a simple way uh, and, and kind of reduce it, uh, reduce it in a way to a, a good versus evil kind of dichotomy. Yeah. You know, if you can just blame some evil people for what's happening, that's much much simpler and much easier to digest uh, than trying to understand the complex systems and, and interactions and uh, chance and, and luck and, and, and all of the kind of things that feed into causing something like this. I mean, presenting all of that information and boiling it down and just thinking like Adam Curtis or somebody like that, you know, makes fantastic documentaries where it explains the complexities of all these systems that feed into these people. People generally have, or, or you know, certainly a lot of people have a mistrust of the media or politicians and and none of that helps because if they can't trust the places that they're getting their information from uh, or those places are not giving them the right information or have been proved to lie in the past, then people will just make their own assumptions based on, on whatever they can. Yeah, they fill those gaps and it's, it's, it's better for them to fill it with something exciting because that makes life more exciting. Yeah, like exactly. Part of a secret. It makes life more exciting and it gives them back uh, control as well. Um, not that I'm saying everybody that believes in conspiracy theories is a control freak, but it, it puts them back in control of what's happening in the world. It, they, they understand it, they can see how it's happened, and then they feel like they can step around it um, and, and that they're not part of it. And it sets them apart um, from, from what everybody else is doing, which probably feels good in, in a way. So when people start making those leaps and those connections and coming up with these things, uh, obviously like, well, you know, you, you and I are doing it now really, but everybody has their own sort of social circles and their own kind of echo chambers and feedback loops. And they surround themselves with people who see the world the same way as they do. And not everybody has a, a wide range of friends and a wide range of points of view and so if they get into the cycle of saying this stuff and believing this stuff maybe they can convince others and then people can kind of reaffirm their beliefs and uh, it just kind of feeds itself doesn't it the same on social media as well. it entrenches attitudes i think that's a very dangerous thing as well when people i think it's fine to question things but you should continue to question things rather than rely on kind of um assumptions that work very heavily on belief especially mm -hmm. when they're simple uh, beliefs that cover quite a complicated, multifaceted situation, or maybe a situation that's a little bit boring because of a load of, like, kind of, I was going to say conspiring problems, but that's, that's what it is, really, lots mm -hmm. of link problems. Don't oversimplify it in order to understand it. Like, uh, realise that reality is quite complicated, and it, it's only by unpicking the different threads of that that we can start to get any sort of, like, remote version of clarity, really. Yeah, absolutely. Good string joke there. Um, yeah, definitely. I, and uh, the other good thing about conspiracy theories and that kind of feedback loop of belief is that an absence of evidence for something is sort of seen as proof of its existence because you're saying, oh, well, these people have uh, manipulated this situation into happening and so they're controlling the evidence. Um, and so then, yeah, it becomes a matter of faith, like you say, um, and, you know, people... Uh, are naturally drawn towards uh, having faith in things and uh, and so yeah it, it all kind of feeds into itself um, um sort of mentioned fake news and social media and that kind of stuff but when you've got trump as well you know the one of the most powerful men in the world spreading conspiracy theories from his uh, very lofty platform you know pushing the theory that covid was released or leaked from a, a lab in wuhan um that's uh, not setting a great example, uh, especially for anybody who's kind of anti-establishment, uh, which I think for a lot of Americans he kind of represented, if, 
if not still represents. It's important to understand the kind of charm of them as well. Like I like mm. mentioned, it's like because it's more exciting to think it might be like a weapon or like we don't know for certain it's come from a wet market. You know, there's this element of doubt and it, it appeals to people who say like, you know, I've met people that say like, Politicians are boring. Politics is boring. Now we've got some people like Johnson and like Bolsonaro and um, Trump that is livening it up, and it's like bringing a little bit of like the risque to it. But there's also this really like overt um, sense to like uh, and, and Putin too to like you know really blur up what the news is and then come in with something that is clear and you can have like a really clear opinion on one issue and then say well we have to support him because he's He's outlandish. It's, it's got a charm and appeal to it, to a certain type of mentality. Like, um, but it's 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 not unharm. It's it's not awful to have to think. Well, maybe how the the main narrative has got it wrong. Maybe there's one detail or an assumption we're all taking for granted that isn't correct. It's like I don't think it's unhealthy to think like that. But you've got to be willing to change your mind rather than. And and one thing that's just different to what you said, like you're talking about faith. I'm not talking about faith. I think faith is a hugely positive thing. I'm talking about belief. Like yeah. you could have faith in something, and and it could affirm your life. It could give you the strength to do everything you want. But it's like a very set type of belief that you're not going to change. I think that's a real worry rather than the actual like aspect of having faith in something. Yeah. No, that is a good distinction to make actually. Uh, it's interesting what you said about you know people saying that somebody like Trump or Johnson, are, are, you know, they're, they're risque in their positions of power, um, but you know the the US is is on course now for a hundred thousand deaths from COVID in the next uh, week or so. Um, that's pretty risque, isn't it? Bringing it back to like the, the, how it's reported, that will get because the way that we pick up news nowadays, it's like empirical truth has just been shut on, and it's like all these demagogues and all these right wing types are just they produce their own exciting, very simplified, very naff narrative and like pour shit every, everyone who's trying to report like, uh, you know, like truth without like, without, without a sort of jolly angle or story to it. Yeah, it's, I think it's a massive, massive problem for the future, this, this idea of like what is real and what is false and kind of free press, like just being decimated really, like how, you know, it's not become not become comfortable to scrutinise like people when they're making important decisions. Like that's been a big narrative at the minute. We've not had much criticism or scrutiny. It's like, oh well, well afterwards we'll criticise them when we worked out we could have done better. People who know how to manipulate the narrative um, are very dangerous. Whether they do that skillfully, whether they do that accurately, whether they do that like with a complete dollop of absolute ketchup flavoured turd it's they're, they're really dangerous if, if people start to believe them and when people's mentalities reduce or close slightly uh, and want to believe these fantasyful narratives rather than more sensible ones yeah have a think about it but yeah don't necessarily believe it like give it um, a healthy dose of your scepticism rather than you know total you know fall for a hook line and belief centric system yeah yeah absolutely yeah question things um, but because you don't find answers don't just make something up to to fill the gaps um, I was reading earlier this week uh, I think it was in Brazil um, where they're, they're not on the whole a lot of people are, aren't sort of taking well to the whole lockdown thing uh, and so there's conspiracy theory brewing there that there's planes flying over the cities at night spraying the virus down on people um, yeah people don't cope well with it and the invisible threat we know that from the 50s. We know that before for like, you know, crops dying and blaming, killing people and having to spill their blood into the soil and that kind of stuff. People don't cope very well with, with invisible threat and 
Mm. Yeah, it's because we've all got these kind of inbuilt mental health issues now from having to closet ourselves and, you know, it's getting getting out of that and having the right unity and how to do this, like, you know, staying in for a bit on our own, that was kind of easy. Now the more difficult aspect is having the trust in the right sort of science, in the right sort of, like, moves. And I know I see people with distrust in the World Health Organization and believe in, like, I know someone with the brain of a potato over someone that's, like, you know, rationally put things together over the, the point of their life. Mm. One thing I just wanted to bring in was um, just how people know to manipulate that narrative. I, I was watching this this program. You, do you ever watch those ones where it summarizes a decade and you can kind of see it a little bit more clearly than when you were living it? No, no. What's this one? It was just just a general sort of thing, like ah, oh, like um, it was something related to like the nineteen eighties and um, kind of like summarizes a decade. And it, it breaks it down like like year at a time. You had like the strikes and you had like the rise of Thatcherism, and it looked like they were going to get decimated in that election. But they learned how to manipulate the narrative. And I think they did it through daytime TV, by the looks of it. Okay. Like, they pretty much just, they, it was a new format. They went on, presented themselves as normal and presented the left as a bit more, kind of like they did in the last election, really loony and separate and disparate and stuff like that. Kind of got in from, like, quite a close cold election to, like, consolidating the Iron Woman and stuff like this. But it made me think just how the same trick's been at play, like, with, with the uh, smearing Corbyn and, and like the the lack of like you know the total misrepresentation of him in, in media and how some media are arms of the government and it's very difficult to get like um you know an unbiased kind of news source really to, to know what is truth but it seems like it's been digitally manipulated now with like these fake um accounts these like these these accounts that kind of present a, you know it appeals to someone's irrationality in order to, to kind of, you know, normally get them on immigration or distrust of people that they can't see and this invisible threat again. But I know <coughs> I shared a, a news item with you about, like, these Tory um, bots that were, like, Twitter bots that were... They'd set up NHS worker 28, transgender, deaf, lesbian, Bax, Boris, because it's like it was pretty much ticking all the alternative boxes you could. And the person who made all these, like, fake bots like congratulating the, the politician it, it's part of that is part of like that fake news or like that conspiracy aspect if you like yeah it's, it, it worries me really the way that the the kind of the lack of transparency in the press and the lack of getting just a really down the down the middle sort of report is mm. leading to the growth of these like fictitious ideas and these absurd ideas and these perhaps with a, with a germ of truth in them like you couldn't spend all your time working out how everything worked because it would just befuddle your mind. It'd be too much. I, um, I think people that people that believe in a conspiracy theory tend to tend to believe in in many con conspiracy theories. You know, it's once once you've kind of got a taste for for seeing things a different way, then you're you're kind of more inclined to to look at other things. And one of the things. That's true. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, I say that's definitely true, and for people yeah. like they know that there's something wrong, and that's yeah. all they know, and they know that they've heard of a few different things, and they think I don't want to pull the rug up too high because everyone will think I'm a weirdo, but they're willing to believe in a bunch of them and think that they're all interconnected underneath somehow. So I think there definitely is that aspect of, uh, of multiple delusions. But um, the problem is for people that are already predisposed to to mistrust or to believing in these things is that they'll they'll cherry pick the facts and the information that confirms yeah. their own beliefs uh sort of confirmation bias and they'll, they'll only see what what supports what they already think and so it's quite hard to challenge someone 
in those circumstances. Um, there's quite a lot of um, conspiracy theories uh, around uh, the, the COVID thing, uh, you know, obviously like Trump said, you know, potentially it's made in a lab or that it was released intentionally in China. Um, and you've got people believing that conspiracy theory, but you've also got the same people believing the theory that it's also caused by 5G. Um, and so there's these like two opposing theories out there and people espousing both, both of them. Um, coming back to the David Icke thing, uh, there's a sort of argument um, that could be made that his sort of whole uh, lizard stick might be kind of semi-allegorical um, and that he's, that, he, that he's sort of painting an easy to follow picture uh, for people that don't understand complicated things to just highlight, uh, you know, inherited wealth and inherited power and uh, the need to question these things and maybe to challenge some of these systems. Uh, and that he's doing it in a sort of well, but probably not a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, but just in a in a in a, a sort of impactful uh, and memorable way to highlight what's going on. Well, he's a he's a fantasy writer. He's a science fiction writer. Like mm. to say that you can't link with good ideas with sci-fi, but like bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I'll just make two last points on on conspiracy theories. So I was reading about uh, there's yeah. a physicist called uh, David David Grimes who uh, who did some work on conspiracy theories uh, and tried to calculate how many people would be involved and how long it would take to expose some of the uh, the more kind of famous conspiracy theories. Um, so he did some calculations uh, based on data gathered from the Prism surveillance program. Um, and various experiments um, around the world and kind of leaked science papers. Uh, and so he estimated that um, if the moon landings had been, hoaxed, uh, been hoaxed, um, you know, if that hadn't really happened, they'd been faked by Kubrick or whoever, um, it would have required the involvement of around uh, 400,000 people. Um, and based on his calculations, it would have been exposed within about three to four years kind of interesting looking at the figures uh i'll have to dig a little bit deeper into how he did those calculations but when you've got that many people involved i suppose one way or another the truth is going to come out um and just mentioned in in amongst those theories is the anti-vaxxers who i think are the most yeah that's uh, a scary one at the minute exactly yeah the most pernicious kind of conspiracy theory that's quite alive and, and well in the world at the moment i mean i'll just shout out to flat earthers who i can you know always love to mock but uh but anti-vaxxers are actually a real poison uh, aren't they because they're risking uh, their lives and and others as well and that's probably something that we need to do something about one way or another yeah we, we're gonna have to follow some sort of unified strategy so even if you have a mistrust of authority we, we're gonna have to kind of have a unified response to this but at the same time i'm saying that and i'm feeling awkward about it because i know that like you know you've got the president saying he's taking a drug that's a anti-malarial and like it's going to help me there's no evidence or it's kind of like I know that the, the time frames involved for getting a vaccine means it's not going to be very well tested so we all are going to end up as sort of human guinea pigs but we're going to have to trust the, the science and the data and that's that's where I've got most stuff from like looking at this is actually like looking at like this the, the the spread of the disease and how it works and the actual data and when people have actually done research rather than like politicians talking shit i want to be listening to like scientists and medical experts but i also think that that in turn is going to lead to this like politicized it already has but a politicized scientist or politicized medical expert it's just going to be a guy in a suit stood next to the politician saying yeah yeah he what he's saying fits in with the, i've made the science fit it but like 
yeah, it's got to be unified, but that's going to be so difficult in this um, in this moment in time. So I hope that we can prove things beyond reasonable doubt using science, and we can kind of get people um, knowing that they have to do the right thing. Watching the Trump, um, well, they've, they've, he's not doing them now, but watching the uh, the daily uh, press conferences that Trump was doing became a sort of quite addictive uh, pastime for me. Uh, and especially the ones where he's interacting with his medical team. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that that guy, uh, Anthony Fauci, um, yeah, sort of w watching the two of them together is is fascinating. And uh, he seems like a genuinely a good guy following the facts and following the data and trying to present it uh, to the public. Uh, you know, quite, you know, he's got a real, really good way about him. Uh, but he's also, you know, constantly on the brink of losing his job because of that confirmation bias. You know, if he says something that, that Trump doesn't agree with, then he'll lose his job and we'll stop, we'll lose that source of, uh, of, of facts and, and information. Yeah, I think jabs have been chosen over truth in this modern world. Anyway, that's, uh, that's conspiracy theories for, for now anyway. <laughs>
what you think of that? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, very, uh, very good. Quite intense. Um, looking at the uh, the album cover, it wasn't what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Half Life of Teaspoons is a great, a great title. It's a really nice music. Totally rate that album. I haven't been able to stop playing it actually. There was a lonely animal who tried to feast Think about it with a little game super That was nice. So TV reviews. Um, since we uh, last spoke about four weeks ago, whenever that was, uh, I've watched no films. Oh no, one one film. Um, mm. So yeah, I started off uh, on a on a journey uh, back in time and decided to watch the X Files um, from you know from the from the beginning from the first episode. Um, and I'd never I watched it when it was on in the nineties um, and hadn't ever tried to rewatch it or come back to it um, since then. Um, and so it's been quite interesting uh, watching it again now as an, as an adult and sort of uh, reflecting on my memories from then and, and things that I've noticed this time around. Um, so, so far, um, up to about series six, about halfway through series six, um, and what the feature film that they did sort of slots in between series five and six. Um, so I just made I've made a few notes on things that I noticed. So I'll just I'll just run you through them and see what you think. Yeah. Um, so first of all, it kind of goes without saying really that the the best thing about the show is the the kind of friendship and the the chemistry between Mulder and Scully, um, and the episodes do quite a lot to sort of split them up and get them in different places or get them you know kind of arguing uh, with one another about things, but. It, the sort of tension there and kind of wanting them to be back together in one place and to be sort of supporting each other and having each other's back is is kind of what keeps you watching that tension is uh, actually really well done um i mean i'm not interested in any kind of romantic stuff between the two of them it's just nice seeing a really strong supportive friendship of two people with quite different outlooks um on on tv uh, and it's actually fun from that aspect alone um the episodes pack quite a lot in um you know you watch 20 minutes of an episode and it can fit you know that that kind of contained as much as many kind of feature films you'll have had a uh, a hostage situation that's been diffused and blah 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 and all sorts of stuff can have happened uh, and you look, kind of look at the running time and you're only some 25 minutes into the episode um they're actually they're, they're really densely uh, written some of them um something else that i noticed this time around which i don't remember thinking about last time uh, was Mulder is incredibly sarcastic uh, to the point of insensitivity uh, when he turns up at every single crime scene that he arrives at he'll make uh, some kind of uh, horrible jibe about the condition of the body or whatever and uh, uh, yeah it, it's it's the whole thing is quite a lot funnier than I remember I sort of remember it being quite scary and quite dark and things actually it's it's not, it's quite funny and quite silly in places as well and quite knowingly silly as well. Um, this really threw me off. They use the same um, background actors, um, the supporting actors, they, they reuse the same ones a lot. So even within one series, um, you'll see the same actor turn up as a cult leader in one episode and there's the eye detective in another one and then some you know some sort of other monster in the next episode it's really confusing uh, it's it sort of it makes you think something more sophisticated is going on like there's some sort of cult or some sort of time travel or you know that it's that it's a, a kind of uh, creative decision but um there's one guy um 
Terry O'Quinn, he, he appears as at least two different characters in the series and then turns up as a really pivotal character in the film. And uh, yeah, it, it's really confusing um, and it's just lazy casting, I suppose. But um, let's hope the creators don't get all George Lucas on it and you know digitally replace the original characters <laughs> that the, the ones further down the line that they end up being. That's uh, yeah, that's a funny observation actually, and, and in a very geeky uh, observation in my notes as well. Um, they've kind of remastered the whole thing for for a DVD, <laughs> and um, in the remastering. They've they've stretched the the four by three picture out to to fill um, sixteen by nine or whatever it is, uh, and it looks amazing. It generally looks amazing. It still looks you know really cinematic, but some of their like B roll or their establishing shots, the outdoor shots that they have, they obviously couldn't find the original like film stuff. So every now and again you get an establishing shot of some woods or something. Uh, and it's terrible. It looks it looks really <laughs> shit. Like a, you know, like you're watching an old VHS for a couple of seconds, and and it's quite jarring and weird. I, I don't really understand what's happened there, but um, yeah, it starts to stick out when you you notice these things when you watch them back to back. Um, I guess it was never d designed to be watched, like to be binged watched. It was you know there was supposed to be a a week between each of the twenty four yeah. episodes in the series, and so um, yeah, it kind of. It gets better as it goes on. Like they kind of write more uh, sort of two-parters and three-parter uh, episodes storylines. Um, but you know, the first couple of series it, it can get quite repetitive um, with what's happening. And the best way to sort of navigate your way through it is to look at the episode rating on IMDb and make sure you don't waste your time with any episode that's rated less than seven point five. <laughs> so there are some stinkers in there i mean on the whole i have to give it credit on the whole it's actually really watchable um but there are a couple of stinkers which you need to avoid um there's there's loads and loads of ideas going on um you know i was thinking about it sounds like your book is crammed with with great ideas and and sort of interesting things and i would say the same is true of any episode of the x-files you, you could you can go and have a look at one of the ideas they've taken there for a 45 minute bit of TV and probably turn and just run with that and turn that into a novel, uh, unless they've stolen it from a novel or another film already, which <laughs> they do quite a lot. There's these insanely pretentious monologues. Uh, Chris Carter uh, must have, I don't know, he must have a, studied Latin or something at school and he, he likes these really pretentious monologues um, to, you know, halfway through or at the end of an episode, usually like Scully's typing up a her field yeah. note or whatever and oh my god that the base they're unlistenable I, i've actually had to skip through some of them i think the interplay between the two characters though that one is like more of a conspiracy weirdo with a geek network and one's more rational and you don't know which of them's going to be correct at any one point and it can like very quickly change between that i think that's quite a good device as well as like one's a male and female and they fancy each other a bit like but i think yeah the combination of those two things make it quite watchable I really enjoyed time. Yeah, it's and it, it yeah, it's that's a really good thing to to point out like that kind of the difference between those two things because when you're watching an episode, you know, you've you've seen the the events presented on screen uh, and then at the end the two of them will sit in front of uh, Skinner and kind of give their perspectives <laughs> on the case and just as they're giving their two different points of view you it kind of forces you yourself to sort of see through their eyes and as scully's saying well we know this and we know that and you're and you're thinking in your head well i saw the aliens and then you're like well actually what did i see and it does force you to kind of question what you've seen and what are the the facts and what you know what what does what you've seen 
what 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 parts of the are facts or how have you interpreted what you've seen uh, and actually it is quite skillful at doing that at times i mean sometimes it's like a sledgehammer oh one last point i so we just watched episode 13 of series six and actually in that episode they wrap up the whole mythology that you've been kind of investing in for the last six series um and that's it that story's done now and i guess it's going to move on to something else so uh be interesting to see what happens next then but yeah recommended yeah, if I get the time, I'll check out some X Files. I, I did love that at the time. Uh, what have you been watching? Anything in particular? Just a few things worth mentioning. Been on, I think, like March time, a new series of Red Dwarf came out. Um, well, it's not oh, a yeah. series; it's just a two-parter, but definitely worth checking out if you like the boys from the Dwarf. Even though they did that fucking AA advert and they can fuck off um, doing adverts, there's no need for it. But yeah, the, the, the new sort of double uh, things really good. Rimmer is dry as as you'd imagine. Um, me and Charlotte found The Last Kingdom uh, we, online. We, we watched the first two series. I don't know if you've ever watched The Last Kingdom, but no. oh, it's incredible. Like, it's like King Alfred age of like uh, Saxons and Vikings and Danes and stuff. And you got this guy who's born a Saxon, raised by a Dane, and he's like, having a massive like say in England's destiny. There's a bloodlust every every uh, every uh, episode where someone usually dies in a horrendous way. Um, and yeah, it, it keeps it very real to the, to the sort of time period, but it's incredibly interesting looking at like Britain developing from a series of sort of tribes or who was, who was in alliance with who. So four series of the last kingdom. Now we, we're on series three. Uh, so we've got a lot of those to watch. We really like that. I fell asleep during the last leg last night. I woke up and Ali G, the best of was on and my goodness, that has aged very well. So he, he was interviewing all sorts of absolute nutty people, but they didn't realise they were getting skitted on like DUP and Tony Benn and lots of people, but it's, it's aged incredibly well, the best of, so I'd recommend uh, revisiting Ali G if you want to, okay. especially knowing what you know about who Sasha Baron Cohen is, and you can see the look in his eyes where he's asking a question that he's really offended by, and then he goes and pretends he's like sort of from the estate and uh, plays a completely different persona. But One more to mention, uh, Charlie Brooker, anti-viral white, Oh yeah. Did you watch it? I did watch it, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yes, you did the right thing. Everyone should watch it. I've been waiting what five or six years for Charlie Brooker to make some sort of wipe. Um yeah. and it was incredible. So everyone should watch that. That's an that's an awesome thing. There's no way it won't make you laugh. Yeah. It, it's incredibly dark and incredibly funny and really astute and to the point and yeah, everyone should watch that. Okay. And that's that's more or less what I'm watching. I try. Super B, super B, super 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 B, super B, super B, super 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 B, super B. Shout out to our listeners. Um, yeah, we got some new listeners in Greece last time around. So hello to our Greek listeners and uh, everybody listening all around the world. Um, that, that's very good. Of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, spread spread the word um, wherever you are. Tell your friends and your family to uh, to get listening to the Beast and um, also to. Uh, to get in touch with us as well. Uh, obviously, uh, did you say it was a Rob Rob uh, in Australia uh, sent through his string joke on Facebook? At you could send an even better spring, string joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see if you can beat that one. Um, get in touch on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those different places. Uh, at Super Beast Pod is the, the handle that you want to be punching in there. Uh, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, so... Yeah, that all sounds good. Have you got any uh, any conclusions or any thoughts you want to leave us with before we play one more song and disappear? No, no real new conclusions. Like, I'm uh, always just aware of like 
how complicated things are and how like you've got to you've got to have a healthy view of skepticism but you've also got to not be so enwrapped in that that you miss the basic things of caring for each other looking out for each other that kind of stuff um mm -hmm. so yeah think freely but don't get caught in a fart bubble really yeah absolutely and also yeah one of the things that, that coming out of this it's it, it, it seems to be that the the basic model the normal model that, that would come out of this in a better way is it's going to put us under more surveillance it's, it's going to bring it on faster that people are going to need to be tracked who goes where who does what and that's worked well for china like the the vision of future for the planet but also how well is that going to work if people don't trust the government like i don't it's you know we're running ourselves into contradictions at every turn and it's just just be kind be nice look after people and yeah oh, and i've started the super beast picture that i said i was going to do so i'm going to keep working on that and hopefully get that done in the next few days oh excellent it's looking good so far looking forward to seeing that a lot yeah what are we going to do with that picture we're going to we're going to put it somewhere yeah, like maybe episode nine, we could make it the header. You could throw some paint at it. But like, yeah, give us a few days. I should have it finished. Conclusions? So you got Blake. Like, you're not getting away with not having a conclusion. <laughs> Come on, Jerry. <laughs> just trying to dodge the conclusions. Yeah. Uh, what do? I, what are my conclusions? Yeah, just to 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 not get down, to find things to keep busy, um, and to to take away some some positives from what's been happening in the world. Um, I, I know from my own personal. Uh, perspective like some memories seem so far away now you know you know sitting in the pub or even it, it's like a very distant memory uh, yeah I, I think there's going to be some good changes that come out of this um, I think hopefully uh, our work-life balance uh, should be should be improved after this I think um, I think there's some good stuff to come uh, and I'm looking forward to uh, to talking about it on the on future episodes but uh, um, yeah, I think I think art is a good way of getting through the current situation and whether you consider yourself an artist or not, I think it's a good time to be writing stuff and drawing stuff and just making stuff um, to commemorate the time and pass the time and just because you should do it because uh, it's probably one of the most important things in life really. So um, yeah, get, get making stuff. Um, so I'm going to play one more song um, and then we'll go um, just to complete the the uh, complete the 100% female uh, lineup on today's uh, musical side of the show. Uh, I'm going to play a song by Phoebe Bridges. Uh, I think I mentioned it last time, but decided not to play it because I didn't feel like it was as good as some of her previous songs. But actually, over the last month, I've been listening to it more and more and really got into it. So it's a bit of a grower. If you don't like it, maybe give it a couple of tries. Um, I mentioned to um, when we were doing the countdown of best albums of last year, she was one part of one of the bands that, 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 we, that I picked out as my best albums of the year. Um, this one doesn't really show off her voice as much as it deserves because she's got an incredible voice, but uh, uh, it's a song called Kyoto uh, by Phoebe Bridges um, and I'll play it in a second. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening and, and goodbye everyone and goodbye Berg. Take care, nice hanging out. See you on the other side.